Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Amen, 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 amen. Standing all around the house. Father, we love you so much. We're here for you and none other. Holy Ghost, have your way. Do whatever you want to do tonight, God. Father, we ask that you would meet us here tonight. Father, we've come, and your word says that we're two or more gather in your name, that you are in the midst of your people. We are here for one accord in the spirit and in truth, and we say hallelujah to the Most High God tonight. Father, we love you. We are here because of you. Lord, your word declares that no man cometh unto the Father except by your Son. The reason we are here tonight is because of you. Yes. Your word also says that we can do nothing on our own. So, Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand what your word says, to give us divine wisdom, revelation, and understanding about your word and your ways, that you would till up our hearts, the soul within our very being, God, that the seed that is sown tonight would be safe and secure, would be planted deep within the soil because it's planted by your spirit. Oh, hallelujah, Father, we ask for angels in this place. Angels in this place and angels all around the outside. And Father, we ask for grace tonight. Your mercy. We ask for the joy of the Lord tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Master, there's none other than you. Every eye in heaven is upon you, Lord. Let us have the same unity in this room over the next three days. Every eye is upon you, Master. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. When Pastor Herman and I decided to move into this a few months ago, the Lord began to impress upon my heart this very statement, you cannot rush me. You cannot rush me. When I was at Atlanta Christian College studying ministry in the class Biblical Preaching and Teaching, they taught us that your sermon is supposed to be 22 minutes because that was the attention span of the average listener in church. But yet we can go to our couch, we can turn on the Braves, we can watch UGA for three hours and not move, and cheer as loud as we can. But we can't sit in our seats more than 22 minutes and just focus on the living King, the one that went to Calvary. 
Jesus said, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. So tonight I declare spirit and truth from that side of the room to that side of the room, from the front to the back, that we can stay here as long as God wants us to stay here. Amen. And I promise you this, those at the altar in heaven that are crying out, have been crying out with their eyes fixed upon the Lord for a lot more than 22 minutes. Amen. 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 Pastor Herman and I have been knowing each other for quite some time. And it started. It started at a wrestling meet when he was coaching my son. And I was training in hand to hand combat at that time. And I went to him and I saw him teaching some moves and I said, hey, can you do this and this and this while you're in that position? He just stopped. He just looked at me. He said, no. We can't. And he kept going. So I came back to practice the next day and I looked for him because when I found him the first day, he had something in his eye that was just different. How many people know that spirit recognizes spirit? How many people know that iron sharpens iron as one man doeth another? So I knew in that moment that there was something in this gentleman that I met that was a little bit different, but somehow I identified with it. I agreed with it. My spirit had a peace with it. And so we started uh, talking every time we got to see each other. And throughout the years, his son and my son played soccer together. And then he was in the Prescott, and, uh, not the Prescott, but in the, the press box. And I would go up there because I would hear his voice and I would just seek him out. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, hey, man. And then we got to play golf together via one of his cousins. And then the Lord hooked us up again in ministry a few years ago. How many people know that the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. I want to tell you something about that real quick. If God told you every single plan he had for you right now, you'd mess it up. The Bible says we prophesy in part because we know in part. If he told me what I was going to do in the morning, I'd mess it up before then. Because I put my flesh into it. The Bible says lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me. See, that's the part in all our ways we want to acknowledge Him. Tonight, we're going to have a, a reading out of the Scripture in Revelations chapter 2. You see, Revelations chapter 2 is a neat book. It's a neat, neat, neat chapter because the main concept is return to your first love. It deals with the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was a very strong, powerful, spiritually church that was in the city of Ephesus. And their number one thing that they were taught by the Apostle Paul was to seek God first. And in today's time, when we try to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, mind and soul, these things called distractions come in our way. I don't know about you, but I've seen some distractions lately. And distractions that get in our way of our prayer time, of our pursuit of Him. 
Do you know that when you pray, you send a ripple through the unseen realm? When you pray in spirit, you send a ripple in the unseen realm because of your faith. In the unseen realm, we are known by our faith. The enemy knows where you're at more than you do sometimes. In the spirit. So when they see a saint of God, man in their battle station on their face before the king for hours, calling down heaven in this realm. Agreeing with the heart, the very heartbeat of God and just releasing it as you're interceding for the saints on all occasions. The enemy knows about that. Because God's moving. And that. And I promise you, the enemy knows when God moves because the enemy gets affected. The enemy gets pushed back and just told, hey, you can only go here. Stop. Get your hands off that child. And so in life, as we pursue the Lord, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek ye the kingdom of God first and its righteousness and all else will be added unto you. As we meet for the next three days, that is going to be our moment. Seek the kingdom of God first and let him do what he does. And so we're going to pray for unity. We're going to pray for focus. We're going to pray against distractions. See, distractions are these little bitty things that just come in the way to stop you from pressing in and continuing to move closer to your king. Amen. How many people love to pray? Let's just talk about it right now. How many people love to pray? You don't like to stop praying. You like to keep praying. Have you ever noticed that when you set aside some time in your life and your night to go pray, your phone will start ringing. Your phone ain't rung all day. Your phone will ring as soon as you enter in. If we could turn the gain down in this one, please. It's just a little bit hot. As soon as you go into pray, maybe one of your kids will come in and knock on your door. Hey, Dad. And you're like, man, I just got there. I just got quiet before the king. I just blocked out everything that I've been dealing with. And here comes one of the ones that I love. Sometimes those distractions come in the form of the ones that you love. And they don't know it. They don't know that they're being manipulated and used sometimes by the enemy. You ever notice that the ones you love the most know how to press your buttons the most? Just look at your spouse and say, Amen. Spouses understand what gets your attention, and they know how to jab you in the side. But I love the word spouse because that's what they are. They're with you in it through the thick and thin because of love. And see, that's what Christ did for us. He was in it through the thick and the thin because of his love that he has for us. We talk about being passionate pursuers of God. I just want to explain something. One thing this morning, our passion, no matter how on fire we get, can never match his passion that he has for us. But we try to become like in a mirror with unveiled faces as we peer into the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelations chapter two. You know. 
I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, there's so much these people have heard throughout the years. Lord, my goal is to seek you, to bless the people, but bring forth a word that will edify them, God, that will deposit a seed in their life that they'll never forget. And he led me to Revelations chapter 2. So let's begin. I'm going to read out of the Holman tonight. I don't know what version we have up on the screen, but um, do we have the Holman yet? Or No? Okay. If you have King, King James, do you have that one? I'll just go off of King James then. So Revelations chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read the whole uh, verse. The Bible says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, the word angel in the word Greek right there is angelos. It means to the pastor of the church of Ephesus. This is the spirit of the Lord talking to John, the apostle who was on the island of Patmos. And it says, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them liars. And has borne and has patience. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Amen. Keep going. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. We're going to stay right there. See, the Bible declares to love your Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. That means with everything you have, from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed and then in our dreams. We even want our dreams subject to the king. Amen? That's one of his languages that he speaks in the spirit is in the dreams. God, meet me in my dreams every single night and mess me up and reveal things to me. I don't care how you want to talk to me, God. Just talk to me. I want to hear your voice because it's your voice that changes me from the inside out. It's your word that is my foundation. Jesus is here talking with the Apostle John, who was the bishop over the church of Ephesus. He is on the island of Patmos. And one thing that is very interesting we see here is Jesus says, I know thy works. God knows what you deal with every single day. He knows where you put your hand. He knows where you set your plow. He knows where your focus is and he knows where your heart is. He knows the things that come up against you. He knows the things that bother you. But what he wants us to do is be able to deal with these distractions and still worship him in spirit and truth. How often is it that we go through our day and we focus on nine million things for the time we wake up, first thing we want to do is get a cup of coffee. Dog's got to go out. Kids got to wake up. Breakfast has to be made. We got an agenda before we wake up, don't we? But where do we put the Lord in that? Where's our time with the Lord before we get time with the world? Jesus, it says, in the very early morning, he went out by himself alone to pray. 
And he showed us how to get away from everything in life and just have time with the Father. And I want you to understand something. That takes sacrifice. You will never get closer to God without sacrifice. You will never get closer to the revelation of Jesus without sacrificing some things in your life. Matter of fact, Peter said, less of me, more of you. If we really want to become passionate pursuers, we've got to understand the tactics of the enemy. See, that's where the distractions come in. Here, a little background about this church in Ephesus. Paul planted it. This church was a powerhouse in the spirit. This church had some champions that would come to this church throughout the years. Timothy being one. The Bible in the book of Acts says that when Timothy would move from city to city, they could feel his faith moving in the atmosphere. And they knew Timothy was on his way because of his faith. So Timothy was there. You had Paul who was there. Now let me just say something. Imagine you were in a prayer meeting with just those two people. You were in a prayer meeting with just those two people. How do you think that prayer meeting would go compared to some of the prayer meetings you have today? You come in for an hour or two and you're like, okay, I got to go. I've got 16 other things in my life that I've got to deal with. And you still see a young man, Timothy, on his face, weeping before the Lord. And you see Paul over here weeping before the Lord. There was a time in a book, there was a man with, named Smith Wigglesworth. He was in prayer, and this man was praying with him. And the glory of the Lord just came in the room so much that the other guy couldn't breathe. See, Smith lived a life of pursuing the Lord. That was just different. And I'm just going to be honest with you that if you want to live a life of pursuing the Lord, your life is going to be just a little bit different. Normal doesn't cut it. We have a God that is not normal. Amen. We have a God who is almighty and holy and divine. We have a God who knows everything. And he's worth everything. Amen. So here in the city of Ephesus, some of the other people that they had, they had John the Apostle as well. And they had Mary, the mother of Jesus. You imagine walking into that place and seeing John the Apostle and Mary, the mother of Jesus, singing and worshiping and praising and praying. You imagine being discipled by these people. See, these people knew what it was to have Christ as their first love. They left everything in their life to follow Jesus. John saw his brother James murdered, martyred because of Christ. John, the apostle that threw down his net and said, Dad, I got to kick rocks. This man who just said, follow me, I'm in love with him already. There's something in his eye that has fully captivated me, Dad. And I know I'm supposed to go home with you tonight, but I can't because of this man right here. See, these are the people. When Christ was on the cross and he looked at John and he said, today she has become your mother. 
Like these are the people, man, that have set up the foundation of the church in Ephesus who have taught discipleship, who have taught what it's like to love Christ with your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole soul. To lay the world aside and to pursue heaven. Pursue this man named Jesus and let him be your Lord. Let him be your provider. They understood what sacrifice was about, man. See, in the church of Ephesus, they lived near the square. And in the square of Ephesus, the city had a place called the marketplace. And the marketplace was an evil place because it was ruled by a couple of pagan deities. And if you wanted to go buy anything or sell anything in the city of Ephesus, you had to go to the marketplace to get it done. But in order to do that, you had to walk to the archway. And before you went in, you grabbed a little bit of incense out of a bowl and you let it fall to the ground as an act of worship. I see to those followers, man, who faithfully understood what it's like to follow Christ, to give their everything to follow Christ because they knew that Christ gave his everything so they could follow Christ. These people that were in love with Christ, with everything that they could, they said, man, we can't do that. That poses a problem to us, so we've got to figure out another way for our resources, for our food, and for the things that we need. See, in their life, they protected their first love more than anything else in their life. What would happen if the church of God today around the entire world would just come together on one accord in spirit and in truth and just seek God the same way these giants did? What do you think would happen to the school system? Instead of satanic club meetings that are now taking place that you see on the news holding sacrifices, man, you would see people, man, going to hospitals and seeing the, the sick healed. Doctors would be out of a job. You would see revival in kindergarten. You'd see marriages with no divorce. You would see children obeying their parents. I once saw a shirt that says, a family that prays together stays together. Jesus, knowing their labor, knowing that they just got caught up in the day-to-day -day life throughout the years, he says, I see your works. Can I say this? Sometimes... The people in the church, leadership, me included, we get too busy doing church instead of being the church. And Jesus says, man, I know what you've done. I know your works. I know your labors. But what about, man, the very first thing, the reason why you're even here, your first love? me and that is why distractions they were even there back 2,000 years ago they happen every single day 
But the quicker we realize that that's a distraction, the quicker we can turn around and go, hey, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I love you. I praise you. The Bible says men to pray on all occasions, right? Jude says to stir up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost at all times. See, I don't want just a little bit of Jesus in my life. Man, I've had that before and that ain't good enough for me anymore. See, I grew up in the church of God. Then I grew up and went to Baptist as a kid. Parents even tried Methodist, tried this, tried that. And I knew about Jesus and I loved Jesus as a kid. I loved Jesus carrying my Bible to school as a senior in high school. I loved him. But I never knew intimacy with him until I got older. See, your first love is supposed to have some intimacy that nothing else in your life does. Intimacy with the Holy Ghost is different than anything else in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 6 about the secret place. When the disciples asked the Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, look, when you go to pray, go into your secret place. And there your father who is in secret is waiting on you. And when you get there, shut the door. In other words, when you get into your prayer closet, shut the door to every other distraction in your life. And your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. Pursue your first love. Amen? Amen. Now I'm going to say a couple things here and I just need some class participation here. When I say amen, I want to hear everybody say amen back. So let's try it real quick. Amen? Amen. There we go. When I say praise the Lord, I want to hear you say it. So praise the Lord. Lord. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And come on, Jesus. Jesus. That's my favorite one right there. (laughs) See, man, I love the Lord. I make mistakes daily. But Paul said, man, I die daily. That's what we got to do. If we're going to be passionate pursuers of the Lord, we just got to die daily. And I'm going to be honest. That means I got to keep dying throughout that day. Because I'll die here. I'll have my mind on the Lord. Something will come in and distract me for a couple hours. I'm like, man, I'm sorry, Lord. And I'll come back over here. But you know what? He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Because he's faithful. Amen. He is so faithful. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 33. Are we still with the King James? Okay. Guys, we're talking about being intimate with the Lord over the next three nights, over tonight, Monday night, and Tuesday night. And the Lord said, you can't rush this. God has what you need. You may be dealing with something, man, that you've never dealt with in your entire life and you need God to act. And you need God to act right now. I've been there many times. 
And guess what? I'm still here because he's faithful. Amen. And the reason I'm saying this is because in this process over the next three days, you don't want to miss what God can and will do. It may be just a seed that is sown into your soil that will harvest in the lineage of your children 15 years from now. But because of that seed was sown and it was planted, it brought forth the harvest that God wanted. See, it's His seed, amen? So it's His harvest, amen? How many people know that God likes to do neat things? I'm talking about really neat. What do you think about parting the Red Sea? You think that's pretty neat? What about a floating axe head in the middle of water? That's pretty neat, ain't it? What about water coming from a rock? That'd be pretty neat. That fed millions. But to Moses, the neatest thing about God was God himself. See, to Moses, it didn't get any better. than the one that made the sea. See, when I look at this conversation, Exodus chapter 33, and I see the conversation between Moses and the Lord, to me, this is the most intimate conversation between a man and God in the entire Old Testament. The Bible says that Moses spoke face to face with God as a man does another man. Moses was walking in the desert one day, minding his business, and he comes across this burning bush. And this morning, his life changes forever. And he looks at this bush that's on fire, and he stops where he's at. And he says, surely I must go and check this out. He goes over there. And when he goes over there, he hears Moses. He hears his name. See, what happened in that moment when he heard his name? He first heard the voice of his new best friend. His life was changed because of an encounter with a God that is a consuming fire. Matter of fact, the apostles' lives got changed because of a consuming fire. Amen? So next is chapter 33. If we have it, we'll just start around verse 7, I believe. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That was neat. I'll tell you all later about that. And Moses took the tabernacle and he pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of the congregation. The first thing Moses did when he pitched his tent, he got away from distractions. Pitched it outside. 
He said, if I'm going to encounter the Lord, if I'm going to talk with the Lord, if I'm going to be, be in this holy moment with the Lord, then nothing else is going to be around this moment. This is me and God. Because my life's going to change. And I'm going to receive a word from Him. And then their life is going to change. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was that without the camp. Keep going, please. And it came to pass that when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood, every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. God was waiting on that moment because God has a passion to speak to his children, to his sons and his daughters. God loves to communicate to you because he loves you. Well, they love that it just it blows all kind of understanding away. It does not make sense the kind of love that he has. It is a divine love. It is a divine Father's love. Verse 10. And all the people, watch this, all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. There was no distraction in the congregation when the presence of God was on the ground. There was no distraction in the congregation when the presence of God was there. See, guys, I got to be honest with you. That's church, man. That's church. When God shows up, now we can have church. And only His presence will bring a unity like nothing else. See, the glory of God, man, it's just different. Once you encounter it, you will never be the same in your life. But this guy, that's a consuming fire that traveled by a cloud during the day and fire at night that led his people. This one that we call Jehovah God. This one right here that loves you. That's what life's about. That's his heart. That his sons and daughters are together without distraction. I just wonder, man, what could Southside do in a year if all the sons and all the daughters of God were just unified going after their first love without distractions? Like, man, like would the people in McDonough, would they stand at their door and say, man, the glory of the Lord is over Southside? Well, they recognize that when the saints came together, man, there's a holy divine God over there with his people. 
Like you'll never know unless you try. Like the story gets even better. Like if we could, I'm going to take my glasses off so I can see for a minute. Let's go to verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know who you're going to send with me. See, he's on this journey with these millions of people that are stiff-necked. And before he has to go talk with them, he gets to go talk with God. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and if thou hast found grace in my sight. The word grace and favor are interchangeable in this language. The Holman says, if indeed I have found favor in your sight. Like, do you know, beloved, that you have found favor in the sight of God? He knows your name too. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in your sight, show me now the way that I may know you. The most intimate statement I've ever seen in the entire Old, Old Testament. Show me your way. Teach me your ways that I may know you. See, as much as Moses knew about the glory of the Lord, as much as Moses was ruined that day that he saw that bush on fire, as much as Moses got to meet in the tent of meeting with the king of glory, he said, I want even more. Because what I have encountered of you, it's not enough because I know you have more. And you ruined me and I'll never be the same, but I want what you got. I want you. And I want you to have me. That's really what we want. We want Him to have us. That's Lord and Savior. Watch this. Verse 14, please. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. Watch this very next statement. And I will give you rest. See, Moses... He knew he was up for a journey. He knew he was up for a battle. He's seen the Israelites be stiff-necked and hard-headed already. But he focused on the Lord. He learned the very nature of God, how beautiful the presence of God really is. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, that seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Moses, being a man with a past, 
fell in love with the God of the past, the present, and the future. And he said, if we are going to go from this place, from Mount Sinai, if we're going to go from this location, we don't want to leave unless you go with us. How else will they know who we are unless you go to? In other words, he's saying, by your presence, we want to be known first. We want the entire rest of the world to know who we belong to. What a heart. When we wake up in the morning, do we still have the same compassion? Do we still have the same passion in our life to go after our first love that when we live, when we breathe, when we move, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, we live, we move, and have our being in Christ Jesus. Can others tell it by the presence upon us? Because of our passionate pursuit and our lifestyle. So you don't get like this unless you're hungry, man. You don't get like this unless you're hungry on the inside for some more of the living God. If indeed I have found favor in your eyes, O Master, O King, O King of glory, if I have found favor in your eyes, teach me your ways that I may know you even more than how I know you already. And I just want that just to be on our hearts tonight. And that the Lord would just teach us His ways. That we may know Him even more. See, His ways are they're not our ways. His ways are above our ways. The Bible in Isaiah chapter 55, He says, For heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. But how we get into that moment to figure out what his ways and thoughts are is by getting on our face and asking him to come and be the good father that he is and meet with us and commune with us and dine with us and sup with us in prayer, in worship, in time spent with the father, which is why he said, you can't rush this. Imagine having a conversation with Moses about his first love. Do you think you'd have a burning desire on the inside of your heart after you left that conversation that was just a little bit different? When he said, let me tell you about his glory. Let me tell you what it's like, man, being in the Holy of Holies. Let me tell you what it's like being on my face for a week straight. Let me tell you what it's like being on top of a mountain in pure darkness for six days. And on the seventh day, I heard him speak. And when he spoke, it sounded like thunder. Let me tell you what it was like being on top of Mount Sinai with just me and him and nobody else. Let me tell you how he grabbed my heart and my soul with just his presence. 
that's available tonight. The Bible says, to him who believes, all things are possible. If you've had distractions in your life, and you're just tired of them, and you want some rest, we want to pray for you tonight. Standing all around the house, Pastor Herman, if you'll just come up with me. If you could, we could just turn the lights down like we did earlier. And you can put some music on. I'll just leave you here just for a second, please. See, tonight's about moving closer. It's about laying some things down. It's about pursuing Him in His rightful mode, which is holy. Understanding that He has your answer. And He has what you need. He is your need. Amen? See, me, my personality, man, I'm 15th gear when there's only 10. When we were singing Lion of Judah just a second ago, Pastor Herman and Mr. Bobby were praying all over me. It was thumping and Dale's got the shofar in the back of my ear. I'm loving it. That's where I'm at. That is my pace. But I also know about the time on my face before the king. When it's just me and him. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 verses 31, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Like Pastor Herman said earlier, just because you're waiting doesn't mean you're still. And just because you're waiting doesn't mean that you are here and not going. So you can be going while you're waiting. Because you have faith. Because you have faith. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. A place where you are loved, accepted, and received. A place of healing. A place of prayer. A place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.